1: What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast on Friday, February the 5th. It's Friday. The first week of February is over. It's the weekend. It's time to relax. Time to settle in. We're almost through to March, because this is a nice short month. When we get to March, I feel like things are going to get a little bit back to normal. You'll have longer evenings. You'll have, hopefully, loosened restrictions. We'll have more and more sport coming on. So, you know, just keep the faith. I know it's a tough time for everybody, but just keep the faith. We are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network. It allows you to go online, change your location, access US Netflix if you want, access Now TV from outside the UK. Access more for from outside the UK, anything like that, BBC iPlayer, whatever you need. Check out the services at shield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. So do check out their products at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, it is Friday. We've got a full run of games this weekend. So joining me as ever. Mr. Guy Drinkle, how are you, sir?
0: I am good, albeit talking about football at the minute is not particularly
1: fun. It's not particularly fun if you are a Liverpool fan. That is absolutely true. Speaking of talking about football, though, remember there are two other podcasts on this feed. There's A Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. Now, that podcast is currently on hiatus. Because today was spilled a protein shake it's all over his laptop. It's back today. It's back today? Outstanding. Outstanding. And I'm on that one as well, so it's a great day for me. <laughs> yeah, I think he just wanted a two-week holiday is what I think. Like, I think he looked at me and thought, I'll just leave that Irish fool grinding away there doing every day, and I'm just going to take a couple of weeks off. And the protein shake is just an excuse. Uh, on this feed, we've also got the Scottish Football Show, myself, Sheiky and Flanners. Uh, talking about Celtic Rangers and a little bit of Hibernian when we let Flanner speak. So do check that one out as well. That's a good one. Uh, the two boys are a great laugh. Really good guys. So make sure you check that one out. Check out Shiki's, uh YouTube as well. Go back and listen to the first episode of the Scottish Football Podcast. Shiki mentions his YouTube and check that out there. He's got some really good stuff there. Recent interview with uh, Peter Lovencrantz, former Rangers player. So worth checking that out. Um. Right, guy. We do have ten games. Some of them are quite exciting as well.
0: Yeah, they certainly are. I mean, this one, the first one, could could be fun. I'll be one of the teams in particular has kind of fell off the cliff form wise, and that's Villa against Arsenal. Um, what what do you make of this one?
1: Yeah, so these teams obviously played earlier in the season, and Villa won three nil. That was on the eighth of November. After that game. Arsenal went through a really tough spell. They drew at Leeds, they lost to Wolves, they they lost to Spurs, they lost to Burnley, they drew at Southampton, they lost to Everton. Seven games in a row without a win. And at that point, it did look like it was the end for Mikel Arteta. It looked like things had just gotten too big for him, too tough for him, and he wasn't able to find a solution. They beat Arsenal or they beat Chelsea three one in a really surprising turnaround. And they've gone on a good run since. Now they lost last time out against Wolves during the week, but there's mitigating circumstances with that. David Louise sent off on the stroke of half time for a fairly innocuous challenge and a completely accidental challenge. Shouldn't have been a red card. It kinda of spoiled the game, and then Bernard Leno gets sent off in the second half. Um So I wouldn't put too much stock into that. I wouldn't be too disheartened by it if I was an Arsenal fan. I'd look at the five wins and two draws in the seven games before that and be fairly confident going into this game because, as you say, Villa's form has not been good Uh, since the 28th of December when they drew 1-1 with uh, with Chelsea. They've lost four times. They've only played six games. They had two games cancelled or postponed because of the COVID outbreak they had. So they're obviously dealing with the after effects of that COVID outbreak. They've lost three games since it and they haven't looked particularly good in a number of games. Like they didn't look good at all against Southampton but got the win with the aid of the aid the of the referees. They didn't look good at all at home to West Ham. Jack Grealish had two of his worst performances of the season, did manage to get two assists and people sort of wash over the fact that he's not actually playing well. So I think for Villa, this one's a little bit concerning. Now, in terms of availability, everybody should be available bar Courtney House. Uh, Wesley is still out injured, and it's 13 months since he tore his ACL, and apparently he's not close to returning. So that's a little bit concerning, but he hasn't contributed all season. So Courtney House is the only contributing player who's currently ruled out for this game. For Arsenal, Louise and and Leno are obviously suspended. Matty Ryan, who they brought in to be the backup keeper, has a hip problem, so he looks unlikely to play. Pablo Mari is a doubt, and Kieran Tierney is a major doubt, so I wouldn't expect Tierney to play. Mari maybe makes the bench. If Matt Ryan can't play, and if he's got a hip problem, maybe he shouldn't play. I mean, their two options are runner Alex Runnerson, who's the worst keeper in the league, or someone from the academy. Neither of them are good options. That, to me, gives Villa a bit of an edge, but I do think it's cancelled out by how the rest of the team is functioning. David Luiz won't be missed. Gabriel had been really good until he got suspended. Now he'll come back into the team, and um, I think that improves the defence. Thomas Partey starting to play well in midfield. Smith-Rowe and Saka both playing well. Nicolas Pepe has found some some form. Aubameyang is back in the squad after missing a few games uh, when his mother was ill. And Alex Lacazette has looked better, I'd say, in the last two months than he had in the previous couple of years. So I think Arsenal have a slight advantage, but it is mitigated with the fact that runner Alex Runnison could be the goalkeeper, and he is dreadful. Um, I'm going to say given it's, given it's at Villa they've lost four times at home all season to Leeds, Southampton, Brighton and West Ham I'm going to say Arsenal win this game 2-1
0: Yeah, I'd certainly say they would probably the uh, stronger ones going into this Um, But we'll move on um, to the Battle of the Bees. Uh, Burnley against Brighton. Um, Two very differing teams in style of play, but upturns in form recently from both of them, considering what they were performing like.
1: Yeah, well, when you consider Burnley won one of their first ten games, didn't win any of their first seven, um, and looked like they might be in for a Sheffield United-type season, They have turned things around quite well. Now, they've lost their last two games, but those were Chelsea away and Manchester City at home. So I don't think anyone really expected them to get anything from from those games. This is a game they will expect to get something from. Um, But Brighton are in great form. I mean, Brighton have won three of their last four. Two of those were away. They beat Leeds away. They beat Liverpool away. They also beat Spurs at home. Um, They've only lost twice in their last 10 games. And they've become very, very difficult to beat. And even though they are a very different footballing side than Burnley, they're just as good defensively right now as Burnley. They don't allow a whole lot of shots. They don't allow big chances. They're very, very disciplined, very, very diligent in how they play. If you look at the, um, the injuries, though, they do have quite the injury list at the moment. Uh, Florian Doney still ruled out with the ACL Tariq Lamptey uh, he's been out for a while and there doesn't seem to be any real update on when he's going to be back Davy Proper is a doubt Danny Welbeck almost certainly out Johan Bakesh almost certainly out Joel Veltman could be back um, Alexis McAllister who was out with a buttock injury which is the best injury anyone could possibly have a pain in his backside uh, he could be back for this one he's got a late fitness test Solly March is out, and there still hasn't been word on what that knee injury is. It didn't look good when he went off against Liverpool, so hopefully it's not an ACL. They did the ACL test, and then they signaled that he had to come off, so I don't know if it is an ACL, or maybe it's a PCL or an MCL or a meniscus problem, but hopefully it's not. It's nothing too serious and won't keep him out too long, Um, but he'll be out of this one, and Jason Steele... Is a doubt as well, but I mean he wouldn't—he'd be on the bench at best. So a, a lot of players missing for Brighton, but they should still be able to play pretty much the whole team that started against Liverpool, bar Solly March, and maybe they get Alexis back and they can leave Gro- uh, Gross out of the team or you know do something different. Maybe leave Alzati out and play Alexis in the front three. Uh, Burnley: Robbie Brady, Charlie Taylor, Ashley Barnes, and Josh Brownhill are all doubts, and Chris Wood is ruled out. So. That's a lot. I mean, that's potentially both strikers missing, their left back missing, one of their best centre midfielders missing. If Brighton can go as close to full strength as they had against Liverpool, I, I think that bodes well for them. Now, the last time these these teams played was at um, the Amex, the Amex, and it, it ended nil nil in a quite a dour, awful game of football, to be quite honest. I do think this could go the same way. If I was to pick a winner, I'd lean towards Brighton, because I think they've got more in attack, especially with Burnley having Wood and maybe Barnes out. I think they've got a better midfield. And they're just in better form. But if it's Burnley, it's at home, and this is the type of game Sean Dyche gets a point from. I'm going to say it's a scrappy one-all draw. Yeah, I can certainly see that. I can
0: certainly see that. Um. Moving on, and this will be one of the teams, maybe two of the teams, depending on how much Dave wants to talk about Steve Bruce today, is Newcastle and Southampton. So, like, let's focus on Southampton for a sec, because I don't think either of us are going to say sack Ralph Hasenhutl or anything like mm. that. But four losses in a row, is it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Losing 9-0 to Man United. I mean, I turned that off at two 0 because I knew where that was going. Um, loads of injury problems. The squad's pretty tiny anyway. And this this might sound a bit hypocritical, considering how we talk about some managers, but to, to show how good a job Ralph's been doing with the squad, he has because it's not really he has like twelve, thirteen players really, and then outside of that, it's basically just youngsters.
1: They've got twelve players ruled out or doubtful for this yeah. weekend. Like that'll like Liverpool have been decimated by injuries. Liverpool only have eight players ruled out or doubtful. Southampton have 12. Mm. And as you said, it's a small squad. So we've got uh Yankovic is, is ruled out after the red card. Uh Stuart Armstrong is a doubt. salisu was ruled out Nathan Teller is ruled out, Ariel Romeo is a doubt, Vestigar, excuse me Vestigaard is a doubt, Bednarak, thankfully his suspension has mm-hmm. been lifted so it's actually 11 they've someone's just listed this wrong. Uh Kyle Walker Peters is is a major doubt, Theo Walcott is out, Ibrahim Diallo is out, Michael Obafemi is out, Will Smallbone is out. So you're missing your three defensive midfield options in Romeo Diallo and Jankovic. Um you're missing a number of attacking options in Walcott, Obafemi, Smallbone, Teller and Armstrong. Uh you're missing both your normal left-side your your, your left-side center back options in Vesticard and Salisu. And you're missing your right back in uh, in Kyle Walker Peters. So it is it is a patchwork team. It is understandable that they would be going through a bad spell. They've lost four in a row. They lost to Leicester, to Arsenal, to Villa, and to Manchester United. But what I will say is there's no bad team among those four. They're all... Leicester are top four. Arsenal and Villa are top half teams. Villa, you know, they're floating around the middle, but they're top half teams. And United are in the top four. Now, if we take that United defeat, it's obviously... A disaster. But let's consider what happened. A man was sent off after two minutes. They played 88 minutes. With just 10 men. Later in the game. what is it 6-0 at the time? I think it's 6-0 at the time. It is 6-0. Bednarak gets sent off. And a penalty is given. For a dive. And it has been shown to be a dive because the red card has been rescinded. Martial is going down long before Bednarak gets close to him. So for me, if I'm Ralph and I'm trying to put this into perspective, I think that first, I i, I, think, I take those last three goals, the penalty by Bruno, the Martial second, and James' goal, and I just throw them out and I don't even worry about them. Yes, 6-0 is still embarrassing, but 6-0 isn't a historically bad result. It happens. United lost 6-1 at home earlier this season. Liverpool lost 7-2. There's been a bunch of 5-0s. 6-0 is bad. It's just not catastrophic. But I I would. I would genuinely look at it and say, right, well, if Bednack doesn't get sent off, they're not getting the other three. They might get one more. They're not getting three more. And then I'd look back and go, well, look, to lose 6-7, Given we had 10 men, maybe that's worth two or three goals. I don't think it was... I don't think this is as bad as the 9-0 to Leicester. Number one, that was at home. Number two, you didn't have a man sent off after two minutes and you didn't get cheated late in the game by the referee. It is obviously a disappointing result. It's it's embarrassing and any time... A Wikipedia page is created about a league match. It's never good. It's always for something bad that's happened, and this is something bad that's happened to them. Um but I wouldn't I wouldn't be too disheartened, but I, I'd look at the good run of form they had early in the season. They lost the first two games and then they only lost two games between September the twenty sixth and January sixteenth where they lost their third. And those games they lost were to United at home and City at home. Other than that, they've been doing really well. They'd lost at home to Tottenham. They'd lost at home to Palace on the opening day of the season. That Palace one, forgetting the scorelines, the Palace one is the only one that stands out as a team that you'd expect Southampton to beat. You wouldn't expect them to beat Spurs or United or City or Leicester or Arsenal in a normal season. Or Villa, because Villa have spent $200 in the last two seasons. Villa should be beating teams like Southampton who haven't spent close to that amount. I still think Ralph is a very good manager. I don't think this damages his stock too much. I will say, I mean, he does need to be a bit more pragmatic and not just stick to the the same game plan when you've got 10 men uh, and you're two minutes into a game. But look, he is who he is. He's done a a tremendous job turning things around at Southampton, and I I don't think they're going to be in any rush to to move on from him. For the Toon, I mean, they're in a desperate run of form. They've won one game since the 12th of December. Since they beat West Brom at home, they've lost away to Leeds, drawn at home to Fulham, away to City. They lost then they drew it home to Liverpool, and, as with Southampton, who beat Liverpool and then proceeded to lose four in a row, of course, <laughs> Newcastle drew at Liverpool and then lost five in a row, and then somehow went to Godison Park and beat everton and I'm still not sure how that happened.
0: Does this change the Brighton prediction? Beating Liverpool's a bad omen, seemingly like. <laughs> that's
1: a good point that's why I think no, I still think a draw with Burnley is a, is a good dip from beating Liverpool. Um, but yeah, you could be right. What was Burnley beat us?
0: Didn't they lose
1: two games
0: after that? They did. Yeah. Oh no, they beat Villa afterwards. Oh,
1: them. they did. They beat Villa next, and then they lost two in a row. Yeah, they beat Villa three two. Yeah, three two, and then lost to Chelsea and City. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. We're we're we're, we're going to stick with that one. We're going to stick with a draw. Um. Newcastle lost last time out to Palace. There's all kinds of weird things going there. There was a new assistant manager appointed. Steve Bruce didn't seem to know too much about it. <laughs> Has been giving him hate daggers on the sideline throughout the game as as he stands there and directs play and Bruce kind of stands in the background. Uh, the diamond they've been using is interesting and it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit more fun than what we had been seeing from them, but that wouldn't be hard. Um, in terms of who they've got out, Kieran Clark is a doubt, Paul Dummett is a doubt, Lachelles is ruled out, Jamal Lewis looks to be ruled out, and Federico Fernandez looks to be ruled out. So I mean that's it's probably three quarters of their starting defence. You know, I think Fernandez mm-hmm. and Lachelles is probably their starting pair, yeah, plus Lewis. That's gonna be tough. Now it, they're helped by the fact that Saints are missing everybody, but Danny Ings is fit, and Danny Ings will cause them problems. I am going to back Ralph to bounce back with a 2-1 win over the turn. I mean, considering
0: Southampton's lack of players, Mm. surely losing to basically an under-23 team with a sprinkling of even if it's like people coming back from injuries, basically an under-23 team, surely that'd be curtains for Bruce. I know it won't happen because of Mike Ashley, but Christ.
1: Well, I mean, Steve Bruce is the manager of Newcastle because he was cheap. He's the lowest paid manager in the league of any manager who wasn't newly promoted this season. And he's probably lower paid than them as well. But, um, you know, he's cheap to keep. They're, at the moment, they're not going down, though it's not looking promising for them. Um, they're 16th. They're leveling points with Burnley. I've got Burnley getting a draw this weekend, and Newcastle losing, so that would drop them to into 17th. Now they'd be eight points clear of Fulham, uh, though they have played a game and ha- a game more than Fulham. So maybe Fulham can turn that around. I don't think Fulham have a real manager either. But yeah, I mean, if they get to, if they drop it to 17th, and a little gap starts opening above them, and and things like that, maybe maybe Ashley gets twitchy. Because the one thing with Ashley is he's desperate to stay in the Premier League. Hmm. The only time desperate
0: he spends is in the Championship, isn't Pretty it?
1: much, yeah. They go down, he spends a bunch of money, they come back up. Um, barring that summer that they decided to spend $40 million on Jolington. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's generally what he's done. He'll, he's spent to get out of the Championship. Because the Premier League money is what he's after. Um, so if the, if they are starting to be at risk of relegation and, and they are at risk, I mean there is a chance like if Burnley were to sack Parker and appoint a real manager I, I would immediately Fulham, make Newcastle favourites to go down, sorry Fern, Fulham if Fulham were to sack Parker and appoint a real manager, I would immediately make Newcastle favourites to go down because I think a real manager with that Fulham squad turns things around um, but Fulham aren't, aren't looking to do that at the moment either, which is weird considering they were considering it strongly a couple of months ago um yeah, I think I think Southampton can get a result here. I think they can. I just think mm-hmm. with Newcastle missing that many defenders, especially the Shells, who's kind of the organizer and the leader at the back, they're not particularly inspiring going forward. So, you know, with Bednarak not being suspended, if they can get one or two strokes of luck injury-wise, like if Walker Peters can get back for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be big for them if they could get Romeo back. That would be big for them, and all of a sudden they'd start to put together, a, you know, a semi-decent-looking team. We may see the debut of one uh, Takumi Minamino in this yeah. game, which I I'd be, I'm quite looking forward to. I think he's going to fit really well into how they play. It shouldn't take much settling in or transition from because it's I mean it's the Red Bull system, so he he knows it inside and out. It will
0: be interesting, I mean, just quickly on him, obviously Liverpool, he played like three or four positions. Is there any spot in Southampton's team you see him taking straight away?
1: The position that Stuart Armstrong normally plays in that second line behind the front two, I think he's going to fit in there. I think this weekend we could see him and Jennifer behind Ings and Che Adams. And I think that's very strong. I think that's a really exciting, entertaining front four. If, if Tacky's played on the left of that and he, he's the one that drops out to left wing and uh, Genepo drops to right wing mm-hmm. I think that's the right balance if, especially for Mayo's back if Mayo's back next to um, James Ward-Prowse I think that as a front six is good enough to beat Newcastle especially with Bednarak getting uh, his suspension reversed
0: Yeah, even if he plays on the left over think Armstrong's done a good job as well so I think I mean, they've got one spot with options, <laughs> not not the rest of them though. Um, but we'll move on. And you were speaking about um, uh, Parker there, and Fulham's the next game, and again against um, probably your team of the season so far in West Ham, or manager of the season so far, mm. David Moyes, especially. But, I mean, the last couple, maybe not the last couple of weeks, but this bit of a spell we were talking about Fulham improving but not winning, and that was the key. And now, they've had two they had two draws before the last loss, but not capitalising on good form in air quotes. Mm. It, it looks to have punished them now, because what are they, eight points behind Burnley? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they haven't won a game of football since the 30th of November in the Premier League. Um, They did beat QPR in the FA Cup, but then were dumped out 3-0 by Burnley. So in the Premier League, you know, if they've gone two full months without winning a game. Now they did have some great results in there. You know, like the the one one with Liverpool was a great result. Um, I think they were very happy with their with their draws at home to Southampton and um, and Brighton. They got draws away to Newcastle, Spurs, Brighton again, and uh, and West Brom. But again, when you look at some of those games, I mean, Brighton at the time were. I think five points clear of them, four points clear. There was a small gap um, for the first, the first time. And then the second time, Brighton were in a bit better form. But, you know, the West Brom game, they, they're they games that they ideally want to be winning. If they'd even just beaten West Brom, which they should have done. They outplayed West Brom comprehensively for the first half. And then the wheels sort of fell off a little bit. Lost at home to Chelsea. Lost at home to United. In a game, again, they deserve something from it. Took a moment of brilliance from from Pogba. But like they're just not winning games. They've only won twice this season. They beat West Brom at home. And they beat Leicester away. And that's it. Two wins from 22 games. I don't understand why they haven't made the change yet. I really don't understand why the day after Rafa Benitez... Walked out of the the job in China. He wasn't their first phone call. Mm. Um, so Vias. I mean, Rafa Vias Boss is now available.
0: Well, that'd be. I don't think from his point. I don't think. You I don't think you'd come, come back, back to England. To England. Yeah. No,
1: I don't think you'd come back to England. But you know, kick the tires on it at least. Mm. Um, there are other managers as well. <laughs> Eddie Howe. <laughs> Eddie Howe's out there now. Eddie Howe's not the uh, one I'd want. Yeah. To try and keep me up. Rafa's the one I'd want. Mm. Rafa will. Because Rafa's the type that can have an instant impact on a team. Because Rafa's a tactician. Eddie Howe's a player development manager. So I don't know that he's tactically where he will be long term. He's great in the development and the preparation side. But that's all stuff that takes a bit of time. Rafa can walk in day one and just start to make little tweaks. And that's where Rafa has great success. Um... I mean, you look at when Rafa walked into Liverpool, he didn't change a whole bunch of anything mm. in terms of the playing side. A couple of signings, Alonso and Garcia. But what he did was he made tactical tweaks. And the result was immediate. They won the Champions League. Same thing when he went to Chelsea. They were falling off a cliff. He walks in, turns things around. A few tweaks here and there, wins the Europa League. I think Rafa will be perfect for this job. Even if it's just at the end of the season. But I mean, if he kept you up and you kept that squad, you'd have to keep him, because got that's...
0: It's be his first good but, owner's effort.
1: <laughs> uh, that's the thing. Like, they've got mega rich owners who actually do care. I don't know that they've got their full attention on the job, but that could that could work in Rafa's favour as well. Um, for this one, I mean, West Ham are in. They're in great form. Uh, they're the most surprising team of the season. It's not even close, like positively surprising. There's a couple of you know, negatively surprising teams, but I mean when you look at their defeats, they lost at home. Uh, sorry, they lost at home to Newcastle on the opening day. That was very disappointing in light of what we we've, we've seen since. Uh, lost at Arsenal, you kind of expect it at the time, but I mean as things worked out, they've been the better team. Lost at Liverpool, fair enough. Lost at home to United in the game they dominated in the first half and then got robbed because a linesman failed to look up and see that the ball was way out of play uh, on a clearance from Dean Henderson. Um, Lost away to Chelsea. I mean, again, you're not surprised by that result. And lost at home to Liverpool. And even though I kind of felt Moyes bottled that one, it's not a surprising result. Liverpool should be beating West Ham. But, I mean, aside from that, they... They've been really good, you know. They've they'd won four in a row going into the Liverpool game. They bounced back from that Liverpool defeat to beat Villa at Villa. They're beating teams in and around them. They they're just a good, solid team. They've got a really good pairing in midfield, Rice and Suchek. They've got good options in attack. They could they could do with more depth up front. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not sold on the defence, but it is it is cobbled together and it is working. Do you know? Um,
0: what what's their
1: ceiling this
0: season? I mean, we we haven't talked about Liverpool yet, but they're playing City, and I'm guessing we expect West Ham to win. That takes them in the top four. It Liverpool. does.
1: I don't think I don't think West Ham finish in the European spots. I still think there's going to come a bad run for them. I still think there'll be a wobble. There'll be a period of games where they just get found out as is. is Sounds disrespectful. it's Not what I mean, but
0: well, if Antonio gets injured, they've got nothing up front as well. See,
1: there's the thing. What they're going to do? Play Yarmolenko up there. I mean, the the guy mm-hmm. can't really run anymore. Um, I think. I think their ceiling is probably like eight. I expect them to finish. Somewhere between nine and twelve.
0: Well, you expected them to finish nineteenth. I did. I did. I expected
1: <laughs> to finish nineteenth. Yeah. It was it eighteenth to nineteenth.
0: I can't remember. I think you it had Fulham and and West Ham. And right? then
1: yeah, I yeah. think that was it. And then you it was in Newcastle then. Something. One above I, something like that. Um yeah, it doesn't that's not doesn't look good. <laughs> it doesn't look good. But still I, time. I, still, <laughs> I still think there's time. Don't do it to me, Moisey. No, look, Moyes has done an amazing job this year. And um I I, I mean look, it, it it's it's not outside the realms of possibility that they could get top like top six. Hmm. But Chelsea seem to have turned things around. You'd still have to back Spurs to finish above them, even though things are not looking good at the minute. I still think Villa and Arsenal are probably, you know, as good, if not better. They've got more talent. Hmm. I still think they'll drop a bit I still, If they get 10th I still think that's a massive massive achievement for them based on not just my projection, like everybody was predicting them to be in the relegation battle this year, so I don't feel too bad about that prediction It, it looks silly yeah, but, Sheffield you know, United
0: last year, isn't
1: it? <laughs> well that's the thing, everybody thought they'll come up and they'll go straight back down because They're all championship players. Does that mean West Ham are getting
0: relegated next year?
1: Potentially. Potentially. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be like Moisey to put together two good seasons in a row. If you remember when he was at Everton, whenever Everton would have a great season, they'd be a disaster the next year. So it is possible. Um, I'm going to say West Ham win this game. Um, 2-1. Lots of 2-1s this week, but I'm going to go 2-1.
0: It's an easy result, but yeah, I, I actually agree. I think West Ham should win this, and Fulham have to win; they just have to win. Like the season, they're running out of time. That that team shouldn't be getting relegated, and they are running out of times. But I, I do agree, West Ham are favourites now in the uh, Everton and their second club, Manchester United. Um, Man United v the Everton: the David Moyes Derby. Yes. I love it. the Fellaini derby even better. <laughs> um, what have you got first? Cause, uh, Man United obviously battered um, Southampton the other night. Everton beat Leeds as well, uh, but I mean before that they're both coming off a draw and a loss, so it's not mm. sparkling form. Um, it's, it, not. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not
1: strange one, but and and the performances for United. Haven't been good. You go back as far as Burnley away. They were really poor. They get a very, very lucky deflected goal. That wins them the game. They were pretty awful at Anfield. They were poor against uh, Fulham and needed a moment of brilliance from Pogba to win them the game. They were diabolical against Sheffield United and lost at home 2-1. They were really poor at the Emirates against Arsenal. And then this happens, and they win 9-0. So, I don't put too much stock in the 9-0. As I said, I wouldn't put too much stock in it from a Southampton perspective, nor would I put too much stock in it from a United perspective. What it will give them is it will give their attacking players confidence because they've scored some goals. Rashford got one, Cavani got one, Martial got two, badly needed for him. Dan James got one, and Bruno got one after having not scored since the Villa game. So that entire run that I mentioned, Burnley, Liverpool, Fulham, Sheffield United and Arsenal, Bruno didn't score in any of those games. It was one of the longest runs he's had, maybe the longest run he's had without a goal since he arrived. They go as Bruno goes. If he plays well, they play well. If he doesn't, they really struggle and they need someone to come up with a moment of individual brilliance. Um, Everton they beat Leeds in a a good game The, the loss to Newcastle was disappointing and their home form has been a little bit disappointing this season as well I mean they lost at home to West Ham lost to Leeds and lost at home to United in the league and the League Cup away from home they've tended to be a little bit better I mean they beat Spurs away they beat Palace away they beat Fulham away They beat Leicester away, uh, Sheffield United, before they realized they were allowed to play football. They beat Wolves away and obviously Leeds the last time. So their away form has been better. And I think they drew both games 1-1 last season. I think Everton will want revenge for losing twice this season. This isn't isn't the Everton we've seen in previous years that will just rock up at Old Trafford and roll over to have their belly tickled, I don't think. Um United have pretty much everybody fit. Cavani has a has a knock to his ankle, but is expected to make it. Phil Jones is out, but he's been out all season. Um Alan is due back in training. I don't think he is yet. Pickford is a doubt, but that's probably a good thing because Robin Olsen was great against Leeds and Pickford was a disaster. Well, he just is a disaster, but he was poor against Newcastle. And uh Gabaman is still out. He's played two games in eighteen months, which is just Horrendous for the poor lad. I think Everton have a chance of a result here. It just all depends on which United team turns up. Calvert-Lewin got a goal against Leeds. I think that helps his confidence. I think he'll enjoy playing against Maguire. He's got the pace to beat him. He's got the spring to beat him in the air. Luca Dini back in the team. I think Everton have a chance of a result here. I'm going to say it's a 2-2 draw. I think it's going to be a good game of football. I think both teams will, will go for the win, but I think a 2-2 draw.
0: I like how you were about to say Everton win, and then you remembered it's Everton.
1: <laughs> you do have to factor these things in.
0: Everton against United as well.
1: But yeah, but like I said, I mean, they got two, two draws last season. And they finally got the stigma of having not beaten United at Old Trafford in about four million years, off the back back in 2013. And the season hilariously that Moyes was the United manager, having not won there himself as Everton manager, he lost his first game against Everton at Old Trafford. Um, no, I'm gonna. I think Everton get a result here. I'm gonna say two-two.
0: Yeah, United's home form, as he says, not not the greatest. So it makes sense. Um... Moving on to Sunday then, and another team we want to talk about is Spurs, and they're up against West Brom at, what's this stadium called? The Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? The Tottenham Hotspur
1: Stadium. I I assume that they're planning to sell naming rights, and it just hasn't happened yet because of the pandemic. The name-pending stadium. Um. Yeah, the Your Name Here Stadium.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call this number for advertising. <laughs> um. I mean, before we get into the game, I mean, Spurs' form... It is. I think it was Mourinho's first ever back-to-back home losses or something in his career, and, and it's three in a row. Mm. Uh, considering the squad, and I know Harry Kane's been injured for, what, two and a half games, is it? Um, it it's not that. Vinicius, 40-odd million strike you've got an option for. Son, is he joint second top scorer? Yeah. Bergvine, I don't know, he looks like he's been you know when people in Liverpool fan base say Klopp just takes all the talent out of midfielders? It's like yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, just, pretty much. He's made him into a right wing back who just starts a bit higher up. It, that is a squad that shouldn't shouldn't struggle for goals without Harry Kane. Or not to this level anyway.
1: No, and I mean you've also got Deli Ali who's, you know, twiddling his thumbs and and uh, Jose won't play him, um, despite having talked about wanting to play end belly in midfield with with Heusberg as a two. I think that's what he'll do for this game. Um, like you say, they come into it two home defeats in a row, three defeats in a row in all, in all in the league with that Brighton one sandwiched in between Liverpool and Chelsea. I will say they didn't deserve to lose last night. They deserved a draw. It was a fairly poor game of football. Mm. It was just a very stupid act from a, from a very stupid man with Eric Dyer what he was thinking, I have no idea. Like, Werner's going nowhere. Like, he's turning back on his left foot, almost away from goal. There's no need to do what you did. It is just brainless. And to then per- try and p- protest it is even worse. I was amazed to see Serge Aurier play last night. I didn't think we'd see him again in a Spurs shirt. And if I'm Matt Doherty, I am absolutely furious. Because you left Wolves where you were first choice and beloved to go there to replace Aurier who'd been fairly poor the last couple of years. Now Aurier has been better this year but he does what he did in the dressing room at half time. He's obviously made up with Hugo Lloris since but he does what he did. And when he's banished from the squad for the next game Musa Sissoko's thrown into your position. You don't even get the game then. And then Aurier's straight back in. I think Doherty has every right to be absolutely raging over what's going on there. Um, the good thing for, for Mourinho is that it's West Brom. And they've been appalling all season. Two wins. One at home to Sheffield United. And I guarantee if they played now, Sheffield United would beat them. And a win away to um, Wolves. In the only win under Big Sam so far. Things have not gone well under Big Sam. It's fair to say. Uh, Lost to Villa. The draw with Liverpool, of course. Got the draw with Liverpool. And then proceeded to lose four from the next five. Um, No wins in their last four. Draw with Fulham the only point they've taken. They they did lose to Sheffield United last time out of course, so you know, like I say, if they if they played again, Sheffield United would beat them. Um I think Spurs have to win this game. Now the Independent has a report today that you know there is pressure building on Mourinho, but Daniel Levy still wants to give him time. But as I said at the start of the season, I've been saying since if they don't get top four, it's a disaster. That squad is far too good not to be in the top four, even without Harry Kane for a couple of weeks. It's too good not. like You have to plan for the fact that Kane is going to miss games every season. He always misses games. It's as simple as that. And as you said, they brought in Vinicius, who they've got a £40 million option on. They brought in Gareth Bale. They didn't play who Vinicius see- as well, though. No, that's the Lamella thing. The up front to like that. like just madness, absolute madness. I don't understand a lot of the decisions he makes. Like, play Delhi Ali up front as a false nine or something. You know, mm-hmm. he's got good movement. He's an intelligent player. He can play back to goal. He's—he's—he's he's a, he's a goal scorer. He scored twenty goals a couple of se- a season a couple of years ago. Um, I really, I really struggle with, with what they're doing at the minute. To be honest. Um but I think this is a game they bounce back in. I'm gonna say Spurs bounce back and look good in this game. Um 3 0.
0: I mean what what if they they do lose to West Brom? I don't think they would sack Mourinho, but you you mentioned pressure building. Losing four on the bounce and losing to West Brom who
1: Oh, Delhi's ruled out for this weekend. There's oh, no, brilliant!
0: There's no excuse though.
1: Nelly's ruled out. Harry, yeah, Harry Kane ruled out. Regulon ruled out, and Celsa ruled out. That's why Mourinho was crying about injuries yesterday. Having said that, Liverpool's injury crisis, which is much much worse, was standard and run of the mill. Um, West Brom have no graded D in Ghana by the looks. Of things though, he could be back. Um, I still think they'll win. I still think they've got enough to win. Look, Son play Son up front. He. He's a natural striker anyway. Just play Son up front, play Bergvine and Mora on the wings, Lamella as a ten, if you don't want to play Vinicius or Bale, put Endembelly in midfield. And and look, if you're missing regulon so much, just play Matt Daugherty at right back instead of Aurier, and you get at least an outlet. Um hmm. you know, I don't want to hear Marino's excuses. They're all they're all nonsense and they're, and they're all just repetitive at this point. It's the same stuff he's cried about at United he cried about at Chelsea when things started to go wrong. Just turn it around. You're one of the best managers ever. Like, maybe you've forgotten, but you are one of the best managers of all time. You should be more than capable of turning this around. You've got loads of talent at your disposal. Absolutely loads. There's no excuse for this.
0: It is strange. It is strange. Um, But, yeah... It... If if Spurs don't win, Christ, but they should do. Um, but we'll move on to what well, the last couple of years has really been the best of the rest. But this season, it's anything but, especially for Wolves. And uh, this is a slight on Leicester, obviously. But Wolves against Leicester. Um, Leicester. I think did they get the first win without Vardy there? I think they did, didn't they? Yes, they did. They beat Fulham. Um, but without Vardy, is that the big question?
1: Yeah. It is because they've obviously struggled for goals without him. He's he's just so important to them and I assume one of their main priorities for the summer will be finding a, a Vardy, you know, high end backup slash successor. Um They'll go into this game. Now he is he is potentially back for this game. He he should at least make the bench. But Fafana and Dennis Pryor are out, and Didi potentially makes this game as well, but it might only be the bench. Uh, Castagne and Wes Morgan also wrote out. Wes Morgan wouldn't have played anyway, but Castanier, Fafana and Pryor are, are you know, three players that are important, for at least for squad depth. And then Vardy and Didi are two of their most important starters, their ball winner and their goal scorer. If they have both of those back, that could be huge. But again, I'd be surprised if he started both of them He's been very careful to bring, because remember he rushed Soyonchu and he rushed Ricardo Pereira back and played them in a Europa League game and then lost both of them again for a couple of months. So he's been really careful bringing them back. I think he might do the same with Vardy and especially Ndidi because this is his second spell out and it's a thigh Mm. injury, which is what he had the last time as far as I'm aware. So I think he'll be careful with both of these. And I thought Hamza Cedri played quite well against Fulham. So I don't know that you need to rush him back. Wolves are in just a a diabolical run of form. They started the season really well. If you look seven games in, they'd won four games. They've only won three since. They've, They've only won three games since. And one of them is that game over Arsenal uh, the other night, which I wouldn't take much from because it all changed when David Louise got sent off. You were getting comprehensively outplayed while Arsenal had 11 men. Um, to beat nine men by a worldie and a freak penalty, as well. That's the thing. Like, that's not impressive to me. Um, You know, they, they lost to Burnley, they lost a, a very dour, dull game to United, they lost at home to Everton, they lost to West Brom, lost away to Palace, and didn't really put up much of a fight. They've gotten better results away from home in you know with some of their draws. Like they had a good draw away to Brighton, a good draw away to Chelsea, they beat Arsenal away, they beat Leeds away. They've not been particularly good at home. So they did beat Chelsea at home, which was nice. Um, And Leicester come into this game, you know, off the back of a win. Only one defeat for Leicester in the last 10 games, uh, which was the the Leeds game. You'd have to fancy Leicester here. You really would have to fancy Leicester strongly, even without Fardy. I mean, Barnes is playing really well this season. James Madison at the moment is in incredible form. Seanchu's back, Ricardo's back. I I think Leicester go into Molyneux and win this game. I really do. I think they've got just enough talent, and Wolves are just so poor this season. We talk about managers being on the hot seat. I, I can't imagine there's many hotter than where Nuno's sitting at the moment. And if they don't turn things around, I mean, there's no... No reason they won't get dragged back into the into the mud. Now, the the win against Arsenal gave them a little bit of breeding room, um, and opened a four point gap to Newcastle and Burnley. But you know Brighton are only two points behind them. Brighton could jump them this weekend if they were to beat Burnley. If Burnley were to win and or Newcastle won, they'd only be a point behind Wolves and like heaven forbid Fulham could win a game. They they could start to close the gap as well. But I mean. If Wolves' form continues the way it has, and they're only picking up, like, say, six points from eight games, or nine, eight six points from nine games, nine points from 12 games, that's relegation form. Wolves are in relegation form for the last two months, having started really well. They've been in relegation form for the last two months. Like they were seventh when they beat Arsenal on November 29th. Now they're 14th with nine points from the last 12 games. That is not good enough at all. Not with that squad. I know they lost Raul Jimenez, but there's talent in that squad, and he's not using it to its to its you know end degree. I mean, continue to play a back four with. Connor Cody, I mean, you're asking for trouble here. Um, I think Leicester win the game, and, and I think they win it going away. I think Leicester win a 3-1. Yeah,
0: yeah. You have to have confidence in Leicester there. But moving on to the big one of the weekend, it's what should be or could have been a, a title a title six-point, but it's anything but, and that's all down to Liverpool and their injuries and lack of form—it's um, it's it's just—I don't know—it it's a season of what if considering what we did in the summer and all that stuff. But oh. um, I mean, I mean, there's there's the injuries, but the results against Burnley, Southampton, Brighton, and the injuries are the main thing. But it's not like we're putting out an under twenty three team.
1: No, no there's like there's more than enough quality on the field to win games. Um they just the players aren't performing, simple as that. Um some of them are too busy shouting and pointing to play well. Some of them are just in bad runs of form. Uh, I I'm not really sure what the what the issue is. The lack of leadership is is quite staggering in the team. Um without van Dyke. but I mean this team was was top at Christmas. They were top at Christmas. They were without Van Dyke, They were without Gomez. They were without Jota. They were without... N- Naby played in that Palace game. We haven't seen them since, I don't think. Um, They've lost Matip since. Now, they will hope to have Mane, Fabinho and Alisson Becker back for this game. So, I mean, those three obviously are... They're all world-class players. You get those three back, that does make a massive, massive difference. Um, shot is definitely out Matip Gomez and Van Dijk obviously for the season and then we don't know what the situation is with Naby and when he's going to come back but it it probably won't be for this game Um, I mean City are just in incredible form just phenomenal 9 wins on the bounce They've only conceded one goal in their last nine games, and that was at Chelsea. They've conceded two goals in their last thirteen games. Two. They've won eleven of the last thirteen and drawn two. The other two, away to United at home to West Brom, and then they've just started sweeping teams apart. And. The players are, are, have hit form at the right time. I mean, Joe Canseo has taken a big step forward from where he was last season and even early this season where he was very inconsistent. He is consistently excellent now. Ruben Diaz, this season, you'd have to say he's been the best centre-back in the league. I think Esri Khans is probably second, but Diaz is standing alone at, at the top of the mountain there. Um, Rodri has stepped up hugely this season. He's playing, he's playing brilliant football. Bernardo Silva has rediscovered his form. He's playing really well. Mares is playing well. Sterling has found form. But the star of the show right now is Ilkay Gundogan, who is playing like he's the best footballer in the world. Um, is, the, is the
0: scariest thing, Dave, that they're doing this without a striker?
1: <clears throat> they're doing it without a striker and they're doing it without Kevin De Bruyne. That's what's terrifying. The best player in the league. And Sergio Aguero, who might be the best, goal scorer we've seen in the leagues is Alan Shearer. Like, Gabby Jesus has been back and he has scored in the last two games. But, you know, what, what's scary about it, guy, is they score early. Like, they scored early against Southampton, Sterling on 16 minutes. And then they just control the game and don't allow Southampton any sort of avenue back into the game. They score early against... Newcastle, Gundogan after 14. They do the exact same thing. Ferran Torres scores after 55, but they just dominated the game. They scored early against Chelsea, Gundogan after 18, then Foden after 21, De Bruyne after 34. And that was it. Game over. Like, Hudson-Odoi scores really, really late on. But Chelsea were completely outplayed mm. at their home ground. Foden scored on 44 in... um against Brighton that was a bit of a slog for them but again as I said earlier Brighton don't allow many chances they're really good defensively City dominated that game but Brighton were just able to hold out they wiped the floor with Palace Stones scored early then they just control things and then they just rattled in three goals in the second half because they could same thing against uh, Villa they just dominated the game now they were late getting their goals in that one but again Villa have been really good defensively for the most part of this season. Of late, it's become a little bit sketchy, but Ezri Khans has been brilliant. Matty Cash, arguably the best right-back in the league over the course of the season. People will say, Joe can say, oh, absolutely fine. But he's only played about six or seven games at right-back this year. Um, Matty Cash has been doing it all season. You know, West Brom was just a one-sided ass-kicking. They score early with Gundigan. Canseo scores again after 20. And then it's just all very comfortable. Sheffield United, they score after nine. They just put their feet up and relax. And the same thing against Burnley. Gabi Jesus after three minutes. Sterling after 38. But their feet up and relax. They're not breaking sweat to win these games. That's what's scary about it. They look like they've got more and more gears to go through. None of this is difficult for them. They're just winning games with ruthless efficiency. And I said before the season started i thought the lack of fans would affect liverpool but not city and i think that that's turned out to be the case city play a style of football that i i think they don't need fans behind them they're so clinical they're so well prepared their football is very cold and calculated Whereas with Liverpool, it's a lot of like high tempo, high energy. City just keep the ball. They slow things down. They knock the ball around. It's all very easy for them. And when they want to, they just step up through the gears. And they can tear any team apart. And as I said, Ilke Gundogan is playing like he's the best footballer in the world right now. They still have De Bruyne to come back into this. They still have Aguero to come back into this. Like, it is terrifying. Uh, Nathan is the only other uh player that's out for them. Though it's those three, De Bruyne, Aguero and Aki. I mean, Aki could come in and play left back. I mean he maybe maybe he's the left back. Mm-hmm. Though I did like I did like what they did against Burnley with Laporte at left back, and it allowed them to go to a back three, Canseo into midfield, and the midfield went from a three to a diamond, and then you had the three up front with, with Mares and Sterling kinda of dropping out to become Sort of like roving winger wing backs, do everything you want on the wings type of guys. They they just had complete freedom. What Pep is doing with this team is is just sensational, and it's hard to see anyone stopping them, especially a team missing their best centre back, their second best centre back, their third best centre back, probably their third best attacker in Jota. I would say he's probably above Bobby at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And Nabi Keita, who's their most inventive midfielder, mm-hmm. um, you know, and potentially their goalkeeper, their fourth best centre back. Although there is a real argument that Fab is actually the second best centre back, but he's also the best defensive midfielder. And Sadio Mane, who's either one A or one B in terms of attackers, along with Mo Salah. So Klopp did, I think Klopp
0: said Fab and Mane are back in trading. and Ali's recovered from his illness. I think he said. Oh, so. thank, oh thank God! Thank God! <laughs>
1: Look, the the positive for Liverpool is they do always play better against the big teams. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what's
1: Liverpool always play better against the big teams. They always up their game. They went to the Etihad earlier and they caused City an awful lot of problems and probably should have won the game. But that City isn't this City. This City is a, a lot better than they were at the time. Uh, I, I do think, though, there has been... Liverpool have had a bit of a psychological edge over City in the last few years, especially at Anfield. Klopp's record against Pep is is brilliant. And this could be the type of game where Liverpool have real counter-attacking opportunities. Now, I've said before on AI pod and Anfield Index pods, I I think you start Ozan Kabak in this game. I think you start Kabak and Fabinho at centre-back. You push Henderson back into midfield along with Wijnaldum and Thiago with Mane back, it's the normal front three, and you just counter-attack. Sit in and just counterattack. Try and kill them on the break. Um, you do know it's but, going to be Henderson the centre-back, do course you? Of, <laughs> of course it is. And he's going to get absolutely tormented. And that is why I think City win the game.
0: Hmm.
1: That alone, I think Henderson will be that much of a liability. Because he was dreadful against Brighton. It's not. It's not even his fault. Bro. It's just it's not his fault. He's not mm. a centre back. Like he's a midfielder with bad positioning who doesn't read the game well in midfield. What do you think is going to happen when he goes centre back? It's yeah. not his fault at all. I don't put any blame on of on, on this situation on him. Now he was playing poorly in midfield anyway, so it's not really a difference. If he's playing poorly at centre back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Neil Mope sending him for a newspaper. I mean, that's Neil <laughs> Mopay. What what are you going to do when it's Raheem Sterling or Riyad Mahrez, mm. you know, or Ilkay Gundogan breaking into the box, or Bernardo Silva breaking into the box, or f- potentially Phil Foden if he plays at any point breaking into the box? What are you going to do then? It's harder to defend as Liverpool found out when the opposition a attacks doesn't and b just actually just put the attackers on the pitch.
0: Just doesn't pass the ball eighty yards and see what happens.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like against West Ham. Moyes bottled it and stuck Antonio up front by his own and, and didn't try and attack, didn't didn't really put numbers forward at all. Um Harry Kane led Henderson a merry dance at the at the Tottenham Stadium. He went off and then Mourinho decided to play nobody up front for the second half. Went with a six-man midfield and asked lads to break. <laughs> it you know, they had it easy for, for the game and a half, and then Brighton exposed it, and you know Pep sat at home laughing to himself watching that game thinking if these boys are causing you problems will you see what we're gonna do if it it, i'm I'm gonna give two predictions here if it's henderson and fabinho city gonna win 3-1 if it's fabinho and a center back even if it's not phillips I'm going to call a, I'm gonna call a draw. I'm going to say 2-2. Because I think getting Henderson back in midfield will help massively. Because he can be a disruptor there. Because he will get forward into the box himself. And I think he'll cause City some trouble. I'm going to say 2-2 if he's in midfield and a real centre-back is playing at centre-back. But I think if it's Henderson, 3-1 to City. Now, I did pick Liverpool to lose against West Ham. And they won, so I'm not saying I'm reverse Jinxing, but you know, maybe it's my new thing.
0: I mean, didn't you say one all in the games against West Brom? No, you put what was it? Crystal Palace. You predicted as a draw,
1: and we won a draw, and yeah. they won seven one. So I decided to pick. Well, I decided to pick one alls. Then from there on, and then they just were one alls or nil <laughs> nils. So I decided I'm going to go a little bit different here, and I picked them to to. Lose to West Ham. Uh, I, now, I, in fairness, I did, I, I, you know, I did say on a on the AI pod that they were going to win the game. Um, for anyone that doesn't listen to Anfield Index, if you're a Liverpool fan, Anfield Index Pro, um, really good subscription service. Does uh, yeah, there must be 50 pods a month on it? Um, I did, I did predict on there on AI Scouted with Carol Matchett that Liverpool would win the game, but. Um, no, I I think I I would say they're just so good at the minute. They're just mm. like they have really separated themselves from the rest. I know there's only three points in it at the top of the table, but I mean when you watch them play, they're not playing the same sport as everybody else. They're they'll just never playing have a better
0: chance to. Different. They'll have, never have a better chance to dispel the Anfield curse that
1: seemingly they happened. won't. They won't. They won't have a better chance to do it than this season. Liverpool are going to have everybody back next season. And then, And then we go to war and we see what happens. But mm. this season, um, credit to them, they have been awesome. And, and and if they win the league, they will deservedly win the league. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next year. That's, that's
0: for there. later in the season. <laughs>
1: we'll see. Let's, right. see. let's see what happens next year. Don't get yourselves too excited, man. <laughs> this
0: season doesn't count anyway. Um Right, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on to the last couple of games and the last one on Sunday. We'll try and get through these quickly because we're sick of doing hour and a half pods. Yeah. Um, Sheffield United v Chelsea. We've mentioned Sheffield United's upturn in form and and Chelsea have looked better since Tuchel's came in.
1: Um, Much better. They actually look like a football team now as opposed to a bunch of lads just running around. Um, yeah. it's amazing what actual tactical instruction instead of you know go out and express yourselves will do for you. Back to back wins. Um they haven't been brilliant, but they've been at least, you know, competent. Mm. Um he, he, he seems to be sticking with this uh 3 4 2 1 shape. Again he rotated the two behind the striker. Get him um, the best
0: out of Hudson the die.
1: Yeah, and he I mean played him as a wing back in the first two games and then in, in kind of one of those supporting striker roles in this game or in, in the Spurs game. Uh, because Reese James is back, and he is—he's definitely kind of unlocking something there. I—I'm looking forward to seeing Hudson Odoi and Pulisic playing behind a striker. I think that's the potentially the, the, the key combination there. But I mean, the problem with that shape is there's no real way to fit Havertz. And Werner in, unless you go with Werner in one of the two supporting roles, which he he could do, and he, mm-hmm. you know, he might do, but I I don't really see it. Um, why why do you think he's gone free at the bat? I, I'm not too familiar with his. Trying to, he's trying to hide Thiago Silva. He had he's because he, mm. look when he had him at PSG, he knew he was finished, so he played a centre back at right back. Poor Thilo Kehrer went there, one of the most promising defenders in the Bundesliga centre-back, 6-3, moves to the PSG, and Tuchel lobs him in at right-back to protect um, Silva on one side, takes Marquinhos, who's one of the five best centre-backs in the world, and sticks him in centre midfield to try and protect him in front, and then he's got Presnel Kimbembe playing to his left. So he literally had three centre-backs who were all better than him. Well, not maybe not Carrera, but the other two were far better than him, playing around him, protecting him. It's the same thing now. Thiago Silva went off with an injury against Spurs, so he's probably not going to play in this game. Hmm. Um, Kai Havertz and Kurt Zuma both have knocks. Zuma coming back would be big for them because they just slot him into that middle role in, in the back three, um, and he is he's been brilliant this season. So well, if they to the
0: back three without Silva, I mean, along, probably to. Get rid of Alonso's deficiencies as well, or protect his deficiencies.
1: Well, see, it's it, a... it's not just him. Like Reese James, not a particularly good defender either. Yeah. And he does Ben Chilwell. So, it, wing back uh, wing back system does suit all of their kind of full back Helps options him and field as well. That's the thing because I mean, he seems to be settling on a on a Jorginho Kovacic pairing for now. Should um, just get Conte. <laughs> I mean that's literally, literally it is his is, shape. It's
0: still his squad, isn't <laughs> it? It's
1: madness. But um, I think I think Sheffield United though can feel confident where they are at the moment as well. You know, I mean they've won three of their last five in the league, plus those two wins in the FA Cup. So five wins from seven, having not won a game of football from July onwards till uh, till the ninth of January, when they when they beat Br- uh, Bristol, they only had two points from their first seventeen games. They've taken nine from their last five. I mean, they've they've turned a bit of a corner. This is obviously a very very tough test, but they did beat Manchester United. Mm. They didn't get uh, destroyed by Manchester City, so they can be a little bit confident in this game and. Tuchel is still trying to figure things out and work work out kinks in the system. This could be, you know, back three versus back three, and, and while Tuchel's system looks good, Sheffield United are pretty much the masters of the back three at this point. I Chelsea should have the quality and the calibre to beat them, but I, I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility that Sheffield United could get a point. I'll go with a Chelsea win. I'll say Again, we'll go 2-1. The Cowards out. I'll say 2-1 to Chelsea. But it wouldn't surprise me if Sheffield United got a point here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that.
1: And remember, a point here could lift them off the bottom if West Brom lose. That's true. Because true. their goal difference is better than West Brom's.
0: That's very true. Um, I mean, what, what did we mention a couple of weeks ago? Their aims to to show mid-table form, and they're kind of doing it and see yep. where it gets them. May not save them, but momentum next season, all that jazz. That's the thing. Um, but we'll move on to the last game, which is on Monday. Leeds against Crystal Palace, Bielsa v. Hodgie. Um I don't know what this game will <laughs> it's, be. Uh, it's two very uh, differing styles of mm. football. Probably the two more...
1: slightly different philosophies <laughs>
0: just, from the managers <laughs> a bit. Um, I mean, what what do you make of this? I mean, can Crystal Palace contain and I presume counter with as a Zaha? I've, I've seen is it Baturice came into the team a bit more? Again? Yeah, a um, bit more of a yeah, fight, I suppose. I
1: mean, Palace have won back to back games. They beat Wolves at home. They went to Newcastle and won two one. Uh, they did beat Leeds four one earlier in the season. Um. So, you know, they've they've shown that they can beat Leeds. Now, Leeds were still quite new to the Premier League and hadn't really, you know, Rafinha hadn't settled and they're still trying to figure some things out. But they have shown they can beat Leeds. Um, Leeds lost last time out to Everton, but did win the, the two previous games. They also beat Newcastle in, in Newcastle. And they beat Leicester 3-1 in... What's probably their best win of the season in terms of the caliber of opposition um It's in Leeds, which obviously does give them an advantage because it's their home ground, but they've they've been better away from home this season. They've won six games away from home this season and only three at home. Palace hadn't really travelled well this season. Although they've won four games away from home. They beat United away. They beat Fulham away. They beat West Brom away. They beat Newcastle away. Hmm. So a team that's better away is playing a team that's also better away. <laughs> Maybe you have to back the away team here. I'm I'm never going to pick Hodgie to beat Bielsa. I'm sorry, I just can't. I'll go two-two. I don't feel particularly good about it, but I'll go two-two. Leeds centre back is is obviously the issue. No Robin Koch, no Diego Loriente. Both of them looking like they'll be out for a while. Uh, Berardi still out. Forshaw's still out. Rodrigo's out. Um, it's just it's it's tough for them at the minute because they've got. A pretty small squad as well. Palace do have a lot of players who are either ruled out or doubtful. James Tompkins, Nathan Ferguson, Wayne Hennessy, Mamadou Sacco, Jeff Schlupp, Joel Ward, Wilf Saha apparently unlikely to make this game. So that's a big one. I mean, that's one of their their two best attacking threats gone. Conor Wickham, he doesn't play anyway. James McCarthy and James McArthur. McArthur's a big blow. Do you know what? Based on the injuries, I'm going to have to go for a Leeds win. We'll go 2 1 Leeds.
0: Yeah, yeah. But the I mean, we always say it's a hard bust, isn't it? And you'd feel. Pretty much. With their fragile defence, Um, he'd be the one to take advantage of it. But it'd be interesting if Eze Bachoway. Is IU played? I don't. I don't even watch Palace games anymore. Um, it'd be interesting if they can step up. But yeah, I think they did have to be favourites for that. But that's the last game,
1: Dave. Yeah, that is it. That is us wrapped. Um, I was originally going to start the show talking about Spurs against Chelsea last night, but it was that that boring of a game. I couldn't be bothered. Um, and we mentioned it during the during the rest, so that's fine. Uh, that is us then for this week. So thank you, as always, to producer Guy. Uh, thank you to you for listening thank you for your continued support do tell a friend, share, spread the good word uh, it's it's, you know, look, it's free <laughs> what more do you want? It's free every day um, check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk check out libertyshield.com check out EPL, eplindex.com and check out the lads Fox Hunt on Spotify, Apple Music support them, they're a really good young band and uh, we thank them as always for the title music That is it. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to each other. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.